Isaiah 50 verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Tonight, I uh, want to remind you about some of the very essential of the Christian faith, uh, so that we don't forget that that's most likely the most important part of our Christian life. Um, many believe, you know, is the struggle against sin, the constant struggle against temptation. But the struggle against temptation and the ability to overcome is there to help you to do what God has called you to do, which is the most important thing that uh, God wants. I want to let you know today that God's still looking for messengers. Messengers. And I titled this, Who Will Go For Us? Who will go for us? God wants messengers. I also want to let you know that there are heavenly messengers. They're called angels. But there are also earthly messengers. Heavenly messengers as well as earthly messengers. God's looking for earthly messengers. He's got heavenly messengers. Now, the heavenly messengers that were not faithful to their calling were thrown out. There was no second chance for them. No second chance. The good thing is the earthly messengers, we can actually repent and go back to what he has called us to do. God's still looking for messengers. We can repent and go back to what he has called us to do. Question is, are you a messenger of God? If you're a messenger of God, are you faithful to your calling? That's the issue. Thank God from the very first time when I got saved, I immediately recognized my calling. Not to be a pastor, because I've been in that calling for since 1975, let me tell you when I got saved. Since 1975, I took that very seriously. That was my calling. And then I also realized in the house of God, I was supposed to sharpen my brothers. And took that seriously as well. So you have a calling upon your life. If you are saved, God has enlisted you as a messenger of His. And God works with His messengers and polishes them. Every branch in me that bears fruit, He purges. He cleanses so that the branch will bear more fruit. So we must take that very seriously. And God takes care of those who are doing the work of a messenger. Are you a messenger? Are you faithful? Now, both the heavenly messengers 
as well as the earthly messengers are sent to just one group of beings, mankind. God doesn't need anything for the heavenly messengers to do back. It's back to us to give us message. So you can tell how important man is to God because both those up there and the ones down here, they're sent to human beings. Think about the day Jesus was born. For, I don't know, maybe 400 years, no, no angel, no manifestation. But on the day Jesus was born, the angels went and spoke to the, they were sent, messengers. They were sent to the shepherds in the field to let them know Jesus has been born. Today is born a Savior. You need to know about it and share it with the rest of the world. Today is born in the city of David a messenger. And after the, that particular angel gave that message, guess what happened? A host of angels showed up. And they were singing, rejoicing for us. Not for themselves, for us. For mankind. It's important to God. It was important to the Lord of hosts and it was important to them. And so they rejoiced. They sang praising God for us. For us. For mankind. But notice, the angels never told the shepherds what to do. They just sang and then they left. And the shepherds said, look, we got to check this thing out. Let's check this thing out. And they went. And they saw the Savior. And then after they greeted the Savior, I suppose, they went out and they spread it all over. All over. The Savior is here. And that's the news. That's your calling. God didn't leave you here to prove that He can keep you on the earth with Satan around. No. He left you here so that you can reach out and tell others that the Savior is here. He saves from sin. He saves from depression. He saves from sickness and disease. He can restore. That's the God. He wants us to spread the word. And so God himself, he's still looking for messengers on the earth. God's still looking for messengers. But the thing is, are you one? Are you one of those? Most Christians, even when they are sitting around uh, somebody who is not saved, they are not even thinking about the fact that they are sitting with somebody who is eternal. We'll spend life in heaven or in hell. We're so busy trying to gather. We're so busy with our own problems. It's God give me this, God give me this. In other words, God make me happy and comfortable. But this man is going to hell. And so God is still looking for messengers. And that's because he truly loves mankind and everyone who will help God see the word I use help everyone who will help God to reach out to these people is special in heaven you become a special person in heaven I have a book in my office it's called God's Generals 
I've been reading that book. I envy those generals. This is good envy. Because they've really turned the world upside down. These were tough people. Suffered a lot of persecution. But they could care less. They lived their lives for him. And him alone. That's very important. We, want, we like to hear all these things about what God... That's what's happening in the church today. It's what God can do for you. That's what we hear. How God can make your life good. How you can progress. How you can be successful and all of that. And nobody's talking about what we can do for God. I'm sure there are a lot of people speaking about what we can do for God. But what are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? That's what this message is all about tonight. And I'm speaking to the choir, but not quite. Because all of us are not doing what, what we're supposed to do. And the Bible says for us to get back to our first love. We need to get back to our first love. To reach out. God loves mankind. Let me show you from uh, Proverbs chapter 8 how important this is. This is actually uh, talking about wisdom, but it's talking about Jesus' wisdom. Wisdom personified, that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Amen. But that's Jesus' wisdom speaking. He says, while, Romans, uh, I mean, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 26 through 31, he says, while as yet he had not made the earth, or the fields, or the primeval dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. That's Jesus. I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, that tells you that Jesus, God knew, you know, if there was a time when scientists, people in the world believed the earth was flat. Remember that? God said, no, read my word. There is a circle there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it wasn't flat. God is already, he knew that. They just were not understanding it, what he had written. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits. You see, God even assigns things to, <laughs> to different things in the world. Things that are not living. He assigned the sea its limit. So that the waters would not transgress his command. God says, you stay there, see, the earth is over here. You can't come over here and earth, you don't go over there. That's an amazing thing. He sets it that way and it stays that way. No matter what. That's how, how amazing the God we serve. How great he is. If they do that, that's transgressing my command, and you can't do that. If you jump from, uh, and some of our people have been falling from the ladder, that's not pretty good. <laughs> You're going to hurt yourself. There's the law of gravity, okay? So I told uh, Rick this morning, uh, Rick's doing better. It's an amazing thing is happening. He's doing so well. He had his eyes opened and everything. But I told him I'm going to be praying against ladders these days. <laughs> We've had too many issues with ladders. But he assigns to the sea its limits. You can't go past that. You see, that's the same thing. God, if we trust in him and we're walking in him, God can also assign sickness. You can't go past that. You can't go past that. Those are my children. Just like he did with Job. They can't transgress his command. 
The only ones that can really transgress his command. Notice the sea can do it. But men, for some reason, because of his love for us, he's giving us free will. We can transgress his command and still live for 70 years. And more. Because of his love for mankind. He gives us second, third, fourth, whole lot of chances to life. It says, when he marked out the uh, foundations of the earth, I was thinking about that. What's the meaning of that? The foundations of the earth. Marked out the foundations of the earth. My mind, you can disagree with me. That would be cool. But there are principles that govern the earth. They, they are the foundations. They govern the earth. You go against them, you hurt. God's holding everything by the word of his power. There are principles that govern the earth. There are natural laws and there are spiritual laws that are governing the earth. And both Christians and non-Christians, they stay under this. You can't do anything about it. They are there. The foundation, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then he says in verse 30, Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. That's a master workman. Jesus was beside the Father, not just sitting around looking at what God was doing. He was the master craftsman. He was the master workman. Putting everything together. He was right there. That's what he was saying. I was there. Viewing and looking at everything that God was doing. But also working with the Father. As he put things together. And he says, and I was daily, that's the Father's delight. I was daily, the Father's delight. Rejoicing always before him. Then he said, rejoicing in the habited world, that's the world where people can live, and my delight in everything that God's created, the whole universe, the stars and everything, the beautiful things that he was rejoicing about as he rejoiced before the Father, the only thing that gave him delight was with the sons of men. That's where his heart was, mankind. And, you know, when I think about this, it makes a lot of sense. That was the whole thing in all of God's creation. What gave Jesus, the Son, the greatest delight of all of God's creation was mankind. And when that was taken away from him because of our disobedience, he said, I'm coming, I'm getting them back. I'm going to get them back. It's not really about us, it's about his love for us. It's not what we do, it's the fact that he cannot be without us. He needs us, he wants us to be with him. We were his delight. And I said it in this place before, I don't know how sad Jesus was on the day Adam did that. That was a painful thing for him. Probably more painful, he, couldn't, he, he cared less about what the cross would do to his body. He was willing to get mankind back. And now he's saying, I need you to help me get all of them. I need the house full. I need the people. We have to make sacrifices just as he made. We have to make those sacrifices. A lot of people, 
sometimes I just think, you know, how busy we are, even about our own business, businesses. Did you know Peter, James, they, those guys were busy. They left their businesses. They left everything. They left everything. Just by a few words. To somebody, a man, they knew that the Messiah was coming. And there was no bigger job than to follow this one. And when he called them, he said, come, follow me. Simple words, and I will make you fishers of men. And I'm saying, God, you got to make me that. You know, I, I enjoy just seeing people come to the kingdom. I, the reason I'm going to Nigeria, uh, I haven't been in Nigeria for a long time. It's about getting to six years now. I really don't. Uh, right now, I'm an, Amer- I'm, an, I'm an American, both in my head and everything. It's just the accent will not go. <laughs> but I want to win souls. I want to see them come up and, and receive Christ. I want to see the demons get out of their lives and then filled with the Holy Spirit before God. Some of those, I'm sure when I go back, I'm going to see some people that got saved then six years ago and they're still in the church. It gives me a lot of gladness. But I have to bring them back. I have to, to bring some of those that are without into the kingdom. And I have, I am a messenger. You are a messenger. There is no job that's greater than this job. There's no calling that is greater than this calling. You don't have to be a full-time minister. You don't have to. I tell you what, for my own personal life, I prefer, excuse, in some ways, I'm not around unbelievers anymore. I'm always around you guys. Excuse me. But I enjoyed being around them. I really did. Arguing with them, and, and sometimes they curse me out, but I bless them out or something. <laughs> but it was joy for me just to talk to them. Sometimes I shocked them. I remember talking to a Catholic lady. She never knew that Jesus had a brothers, because she was taught that Jesus was not uh, Jesus was the only child of Mary. Mary was a virgin all her life. And I said, "Where did you get that from?" And I quickly pulled the scripture. I said, "Look." Jesus had brothers, and she panicked. I mean, she'd never heard that before. She panicked. I mean, she was, she was like, no. That came to me. I said, hey, hey, look, it's right here. Right here. Read it. I enjoy that. God loves mankind, and we have to have that foremost in our minds. We'll come into that later but let me just ask you, how often have you prayed for those that are without? Have you even prayed for them? That God should bring them in? Does it really concern you? God doesn't have any concern. He doesn't have to eat. It's only one thing that concerns God today. Those that are outside. Remember what Jesus said? If a man has a hundred sheep and he loses one, he leaves the remaining 99, that should let us know what's important to God. If you take care of what's important to him, 
He'll take care of what's important to you. That's how it works. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things that are important to you, God's going to add it. But the problem is we are pursuing those things that are important to us. And we forget those things that are important to God. When people speak about the things that are important to us, we have a good message. But when we talk about what's important to God, well, that was okay. But that's what life is all about. Reaching out to these people to bring them in. I can speak on this on Sunday, but some of these people are new. They may not even understand. But you are not new. You know. You know these things. You know these things. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Let's reach out and bring some of these people in. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6, many of us know this story, in the year that uh, Uzziah died, Uzziah was a, a young man, a king, and God helped him. God helped Uzziah. And Isaiah was a, the prophet in the land at that time. Uzziah lived in God. He really depended on God, and God blessed him greatly. And I think he ruled for about 50 years. But after 50 years, uh, God had been so much with him and God had blessed him. I mean, these guys, in his time, they were inventing machines. They were inventing machines. That's how great. I mean, war machines. He was that good. But then he got in his head and he decided he wanted to be a priest. And he went in the tabernacle to be a priest and to, to do the work. Of, but God hadn't assigned that to him. The priests do that. But he thought he could. And he became leprous. And they had to shut him up. A leprous king. He couldn't do anything. Even though he was a king, leprous, probably can't sit on his throne. The king of kings is still sitting on his throne. According to Isaiah. See this thing? Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord. He was sitting on his throne. He was sitting on his throne. Sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it were seraphims. They burn. Seraphims, they burn. Like fire. And they each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. You can look at the one on the throne. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. Now, he didn't see God because Jesus said, no one has seen God at any time. The king, that's Jesus himself. 
Okay, my eyes have seen the king. The New Testament tells us no man has seen God at any time. That's the truth. But they saw the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar saw the Son of God in his manifestation. Uh, Abraham saw the Son of God when he appeared to him before Sodom and Gomorrah. So God, Jesus has actually showed up with man even before he came. So he saw the Lord, but that was Jesus sitting on his throne. His train filled the temple. And he says, uh, I've seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. Sometimes I wonder, why the mouth? The mouth is very important. There's so much to talk from there. The mouth, your mouth is so important. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of it. So, don't speak sickness. I wanted to stay a little bit with this just past this. Dinner. Don't speak sickness. Don't speak want. You can think it, but don't give birth to it by speaking it. You can think discouragement, but never tell it to somebody. Don't say the words, I'm depressed. You can feel it, but don't say it. I'd rather say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let the weak say, your mouth is so important. That's where to touch. If God's going to cleanse a person's life, your mouth. If God's going to transform your life, your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth will change your life. And when you take the word of God, that's fire. When you put the word of God in your mouth, that's fire. That's coals. And that will cleanse you. So speak the word. Speak the word. Not what you think. For God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We stay with His word, even though we don't understand. He's so high, we don't understand it, but we accept it and we speak it. Against what's happening in our mind and in our heart. We know the facts and the reality of our life, but we know what the word says, and that's the truth. So I speak the truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, make you free. So you stay with the word. Let it come out of your mouth. Isaiah saw the Lord. He felt unclean. Was, if God was speaking, I guess we'll finish this. It's so important. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. I mean, when the word of God touched your lips, things are going to change. This has touched your lips. They say, well, I wish I was Isaiah and I was sitting and the angel touched my lips. Uh, we don't need that today. We have something better than that. Jesus, he is the word of God. When he touches your lips, your life will be transformed. Your situation will be transformed. He touched his lips. And he says, your iniquity is taken away. You want your iniquity taken away? Speak the words. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Speak the words. Believe in the words. If you believe, speak it. That's what transforms the life. That's what brings peace. That's what brings cleansing. You believe Jesus is the Lord. There are a lot of people. Go out, ask them. You believe Jesus is the Son of God. They'll tell you, yes, but there's nothing going on there. Why? Because they haven't made the confession. 
With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, freedom from sickness, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from all. He's the mouth. So the touch is, you know, if, if I were the angel, I want to touch his heart, right? God didn't touch his heart. He put it to his mouth. That's where he's needed. Can I hear an amen? I feel good about this preaching, even if you don't agree. I feel good. I feel really good. Yes. <laughs> it's a sea. I have touched your lips. With this call. So your iniquity is taken away. And your sins purged. And then also. Right after that. Also. That's when he started hearing. I heard the voice of the Lord saying. Whom shall I send? God's always looking for a messenger. Still looking for one. Still looking. God's in the business of looking for messengers. Jesus has finished the work. But without a messenger, this is not going to work. So God's looking for a messenger. And Paul said in, in Romans chapter 10, how shall they go and except they be sent? How can they believe on him on who, of whom they have not heard? We need a mess. God needs a messenger. But many people, Christians, are so busy trying to get ahead. And that's what they, everybody wants to hear about. How I can get ahead. How can my family be together? And how can teach us how to do this? I tell you what, follow him harder. He'll fix everything. He'll give you wisdom. You know, I've often said there before, you know, I guess this is my mind. I've often said there before that Solomon was not born with wisdom. God gave it to him in one night. Just one night. Solomon himself said, your servant has no wisdom. Not like, I don't have it. And God delivered wisdom to him one night. And people were coming from kingdoms just to hear his wisdom. That he was not born with. Given to him one night. So we can actually follow God if my heart is fully in that God can deliver something to you that you never had. And he stay with you for life. He, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He gives it to you. You have it. Solomon had it. Had, he had the wisdom even though he wasn't doing right. The wisdom stayed with him until he died. Delivered to him probably after he was 30 years old. That's the word of the Lord. So he heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? I need a messenger. That's what God is saying. I need a messenger. And Isaiah never heard until he was cleansed. God had been speaking even while he heard the angels calling one to another. Do you think the angels quit speaking? Or yelling at one another, holy, holy, because now it's time for Isaiah to, to hear what God saying. You will be quiet now. No. They were still doing their business. 
And while they were doing their business and yelling at one another, holy, holy, God was speaking on the throne. And we are told what God was saying. Only one concern. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? Thank God that man said, Yeah, I am. Send me. And you know, theologians believe Isaiah is the gospel of the Old Testament. You see all kinds of things in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, talking about the death of Christ. By his stripes it was healed. I, mean, I am healed. All of that came from Isaiah. Who has believed our report? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has all from Isaiah because he was willing to go. And so God gave him the gospel, the message to speak. God gave that to him because he was willing to go. You don't have to be ready on your own. Just be willing to go. Send me. Don't know what the message is. Just send me and God will give that to you and deliver that to you. That's all we need. God's still looking for messengers today. He says in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, So I sought for a man among them. So God's looking for a man that's living with them. And that's you. And me, I sought, that means God's still looking. Looking for a man among them who will make a wall. Make a wall and stand in the gap. Make a wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. I found no one. Now, God doesn't destroy anything. He has an angel of death. I mean, you know that? If you go in Exodus, it was the angel of death that was doing the killing. If you read in the Old Testament, there was also the time God wanted to uh, destroy a king. And he says, I need ideas for you guys. <laughs> Who's going to do this? And one demon said, I'll go and make a put, tell, put uh, a lying spirit in the mouth of uh, all his prophets. Say, that's a good job. You can, you can go. That's a good idea. I don't understand everything, but I see that in the scripture. I know some, some of the things, the way things are working. God doesn't destroy. But once that crack is there, and the crack is here today. The wall is a wall of protection. Somebody to build a wall. Once there is a gap, and there's no one to fill that gap, the gap is an opening for everything evil to come in. To, to hurt God's people. And everyone that's within that wall that's been breached. Someone to build a wall and to stand in the gap so that God's protection is in place. Someone to stand in the gap so that the enemy cannot come in and destroy. The thief does not come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Somebody to stand. God says, I'm looking for a messenger, somebody that's going to do something about what's going on so that God, God's protection can be over the people. 
and they can enjoy all the benefits. It's God said, I found none. If you read in Isaiah 59 verse 16, it says, He, that God, saw that there was no man. So who, what, who is what God looking for? A man, a messenger. A messenger. God's looking. So he looked and I saw no man. This was before Jesus came. You can understand this. God was looking for someone that would do it. No one was qualified to do it. No one. He said, I saw, so I noticed that there was no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Hello? That's why he asked the question, have you really prayed for Cyprus? Does it even concern you? Or all you're concerned about is your family members? When we get to heaven, we're all family members. God wants you to bring, wants to bring them in. I have to pray for them. If you can, go pray. But I, I tell you the truth. If you keep praying, you will go. Because what comes out of your mouth takes a hold of your heart. And if you are praying for souls to be one, your heart's going to go there. A man's heart is where his treasure is. If it's important to you, that's where you, you gravitate towards that. So God says, I was looking for somebody to pray. Just to pray. Your prayers matter. If, you, if we all pray for Cyprus, for God to bless these people and bring them in, God's going to do it for us. No one is praying. No one is praying. God wants to answer prayers. I need intercessors, somebody to stand in the gap and pray for them. They are doing things evil, but I need my people to call upon me so that I can work. Because if we don't call on him, he can't work. The Bible says to pray this way. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God cannot bring and force his will upon us when we don't want it. But in our prayers, God will then take the blinders off their eyes and they will begin to desire something good from God and that opens the door for God to work among men. You know, I heard a testimony. This church decided they were going to be driving around the neighborhood and praying constantly and they were consistent. It wasn't too long before the people started coming to church because they were praying over them. There are principalities over places. There is a principality over the Cypress area that doesn't want the people to go to church. And they tell, tell you, oh, I don't believe in that. Yeah, but when God, if an angel stands by the guy's uh, uh, door while he's sleeping and he opens his eyes and he sees, he'll be in church on Sunday. It's even, he will be, you know, people don't fear God very much. If it was a real demon, he'll be church that same day. They're scared of devil more than they're scared of God. I mean, if they see a devil, it says, ah, his eyes is blinking. And they, oh, they're back in church. Pastor, talk to me. But that will not happen until we're praying. Have you ever wondered when Peter was in jail? The angel didn't appear the first day. But the people were praying. It says, most prayer went up to heaven. Because Peter was in jail. They were even praying unbelieving prayer because they didn't believe after Peter left. 
I mean, they didn't believe it was Peter. They said, Yo, something's wrong with you, Rhonda. What are you talking about? He's in jail. Peter was right there. But they were praying. And God answered. And God sent his angel to deliver him. God's looking for somebody to pray. We've got to pray for these people. We've got to pray for Cyprus. This is where God's planted us. We have time to come to church and pray. We always want to hear something, you know, about me. No. What about the kingdom of God? What about what Jesus died for? We got to call on him. We got to say, God, please bless the Cypress area. Bless the people. Open their eyes. Take the blindness off their eyes. Today, let every church where your name is named, God, let them go. Let them find Christ. Let them come in. They don't have to come to the Ark Fellowship. They can go somewhere else. It doesn't matter. We want them in the kingdom of God. We don't want the blood of Jesus to be shed in vain. We want them. So we pray for them. We cry out to God for them. I mean, our prayers, sometimes we are humans. We don't know. But I do know. And I tell God, I know that my words to you, they are not just skyward talk. You are listening. There is another person on the other side of the phone. He's listening. And God, as I telephone heaven to call my father for help. We can do these things on our own. But if we call on him, he's going to do it. But if we don't even have a heart for it, and we don't even have a desire to see that happen, so what are we doing? Is this a social gathering to feel good as a church? But um, as my, my job, an angel's job, is to remind us we need to start reaching out to people. Our church, we're doing, in my mind, we came in knocking on doors. That's kind of really tough. I'm looking for every way we can reach the people. But if you are in there with them, all you can do is invite them. Invite them. Just tell them, please come. 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 The price for every life that walks by you is so great. It's the life of the Son of God. As you see them walking around, chatting, cursing, saying all of this crazy stuff that irritates you, that's a life that God holds very dear to his heart. He doesn't see what they're doing because of his love for them. And he's saying, please help me bring them home. Help me get them back home. I need them back in the family. I need them at the table. I need them to sit with the Father. Everyone's so important. Even when you go by them by the street, yes, every one of them, Especially when they are hurting and confused. That's somebody that Jesus made. That's somebody for whom Jesus died. Confused. Hopeless. He loves them. And he can give them life. He can give them hope. But if we are so totally consumed with our own needs. And don't concern ourselves. Sometimes I have to remind myself. Life's so short. How long are we going to be here? When you're struggling, everything you do, you're wasting your time. You're going to go on and leave everything here. It's too short. We take the time to reach out to these people for him. To the world, it means nothing. But to heaven, that's a great thing. Jesus said, for every soul that comes to him, there is great joy among the multitudes of angels. Just like when Jesus was born, before anything happened, the angels were already singing. 
Glory to God in their highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards every man. Goodwill towards every single man. And we hold that power in our hands to, to reach out to them. He wants us to reach out to them. I've, I've gone really far. I've got to stop. But I pray, I have a lot that I want to say in this regard. But I pray that God will touch your heart. Sometimes uh, we need God to soften our hearts. I do. Because we can, the Bible says, if you will hear his voice. If you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the days of provocation. So, uh, well, I, I, I'll do that some other time. That's when slowly but surely we are hardening and we don't feel anything anymore concerning this. We are not as passionate about it anymore. But we need to ask God tonight, every one of us here. There's a reason why you're here tonight. Because God wants you to hear this. It's for you. And if we all repent, that's me included, we need to bring them. I, I want them to come to the Ark Fellowship, but I really don't care. Let them be in the house of God. I know on Sunday morning, we are worshiping God here all over the world somewhere. Hands are being lifted up. Hands are being lifted up. I saw in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, when you lift up your hand, I've turned my eyes away. Because there's something wrong. You know what that tells me? Every time you lift up your hands, when you are following the Father, immediately gets your attention. I mean, His attention. He looks towards you. So when we lift our hands to God, that's ev- once you just do that, God says, Hey, what do you want? <laughs> that's what He's saying. What do you want? He says, I'll look away when things are not right. Because your hands, when you lift your hands, He says, I'll look away. That means if you are following him, once you lift up your hand, God says, hey, I saw that. What do you want? It's right there with you. Stand up with me tonight. We've got to lift our hands up tonight and tell him what we want. And the number one thing we want is God give me a heart for souls.